Welcome back to another Talk It Over podcast. My name is Bobby Parman. I am joined always by Mark Spiegel. And as you guys can tell, uh, we are still doing the social distancing thing. Uh, Spiegel at his place, I'm at mine, and we have a special guest today, uh, Mr. Tony Burkhardt at his home. Hey guys, how are you? Right on. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're uh, how are you? It, this hey, good. <laughs> as cool as this is that we have the technology that this is working and, and it's working well, this sucks. True. <laughs> I mean, just True. <laughs> there's no easy or nice way around it. It just really sucks. It's um, yeah, not being mm-hmm. able to get together to podcast on Sundays and not being able to do all those things. It does suck, but um, we're still going to continue to do them. We we did miss last week. There was uh, <laughs> some issues with last week, but uh, we're going to keep going and we couldn't miss Easter Sunday. You know, mm-hmm. and, like it's it's a, that's Christian Super Bowl. There you go. You know, um, there's probably a way better way to describe that, but um, for some people, they and for most Christians, it should be like Easter Sunday is is the reason. Kind of kind of like you should call it the main event, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. some people probably in a room somewhere were smart about that, and you came up with that. But <laughs> yeah. I was not invited. Yeah, that'd be to a that good meeting. idea. Uh, week four of the main event we uh, finished the book of John if you were doing the John challenge uh, that was super fun if you have it go back and do it and um, you also have the resource if you go to our YouTube channel uh, where uh, our staff and some of the members of our church do a little devo about them yeah so Sunday ended uh, John yeah and John and John chapter 20 is what we use Sunday where um you know, all the Gospels have a record of the uh, the ladies going to the going to the tomb, but specifically John, who again the eyewitness to this, John specifically points out just Mary Magdalene, and uh, it's just kind of cool. It's kind of the way that, that that John sort of frames this story, um, and the way that he kind of puts this spotlight on Easter from the perspective of himself and Peter, and then Mary Magdalene being there. So I just love it. And, of course, we've been going through John, so I was certainly going to use that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, just that spotlight of that morning because I – and y'all have heard me say it before when we're preaching and teaching on Sunday mornings. I, I when I read Scripture, I read it very, very, um, very, very graphically. I see pictures in my mind when I read. So I love the pictures in my head of the resurrection of – you know, I made a joke Sunday morning. You know, the whole reason Mary Magdalene and the other women went there to re-embalm Jesus is because women are always having to redo things that men didn't do right. So mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're doing that. And I just love the picture of it. I love the fact that, you know, here sits Easter and the, and the relativity to the fact of the entire book of John, Jesus is kind of on trial. John builds this book around these seven signs, seven wonders of Jesus. The entire book of John, Jesus is really on trial. Is he who he says he is? Will he do what he says he's going to do? Is he really the Messiah? And then, wham, Easter Sunday morning, yes, he is who he says he is. He will do what he says he's going to do. And if that's the case, then everything changes, which mm-hmm. is why that's why it's the main event. That's why it excites me, because that's it. Our entire faith, all of Christianity, you know, Christianity doesn't hinge on Judges chapter 3, verse 16. Christianity hinges on this main event. Because if Jesus yeah. didn't rise from the dead, Christianity doesn't exist. Paul said that too. He said that yeah. without the resurrection, our faith is futile. Exactly. 
Exactly. And, and that wasn't me bashing Judges 316, by the way. The <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and check story. that out, yeah. Oh, it's great. That's when Lefty stuck fatty. Read the story. You'll love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just got done reading Judges. Oh, um, so cool. I'm in Chronicles now. I, there um, you go. I love that you brought it up that this is um, John's, I wouldn't say interpretation, but his eyewitness to, to the events that had happened. And yeah. we all view Easter probably in a little bit of a different way. For some people, it may be like a, a super celebration, uh, a time for family together. And some people, it you know, unfortunately, can be a, a sad thing. Um, and that's one of the questions in the Talk It Over guide. It asked, you know, what does Easter mean to us? And we were kind of talking about this before we hit record. But, you know, what does Easter mean to us now versus maybe a year or two ago, you know, with the uh, the virus and everything going on, staying at home and social distancing and all the new terms that we're having to learn? Um, wh- how do you view Easter now differently than you did two years ago? Spiegel? Um, I want to say, I don't know, it hinges more on hope for me. Before, it was always, I'm, always, I'm a pretty excitable type of guy. So it was never any... Um, any lack of excitement for Easter for me. Um, I've never had any trouble seeing Easter as the culmination of our faith, but now with everything that's going on to look forward past like Christ did, you know, he looked beyond the cross to the joy set before him that right now, everything that's going on, there's more than what's going on behind the scenes. So, you know, we, you see all the churches are shutting down, but there's churches opening up in everybody's houses. Um, it, it's an opportunity to look beyond the here and now to a hope of what we're not exactly seeing with our eyes. Um, that's a difference because uh, it's a stranglehold. I'm, I'm a guy that thrives on, on people interaction. I'm, I'm an extrovert. I, I cannot stand this being cooped up and away from people and friends sort of thing. So it's been kind of tough, but at the same time, it forces me to um, – look beyond what's going on. So that's where the Easter now is more about hope for me than it ever has been before. That's a good way to put that. Now, Tony, you being a pastor and all, um, it is like Easter Sunday, your like your big test or like, how is that? How do you view Easter uh, from your position? <laughs> I, I don't, you, did you ask, is it my big test? Is that, yeah, is that I, mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how you would yeah. view that. I mean, it's pretty no, it, Sunday. that, that I thought I heard you right, and it kind of made me smile a little bit because it's from a pastor's perspective, it's um, it's it's the one time a year that you're probably going to see people that you haven't seen since last Easter. So um, so there is an opportunity. Easter feels like typically Easter feels like an opportunity, mm-hmm. um, and then I'm not a um, I'm not a follow the holiday sort of a preacher. I don't on Mother's Day. You're probably not going to hear me preach about mothers on Father's Day. You're probably not going to hear me preach about fathers. I'm definitely not going to do a for God and country rally on July 4th. (laughs) Um, But Easter and Christmas. Yeah, you you, you can't get around those holidays. And and I don't want to. I mean, our our, like I said, with the title of this series, our our faith, our life, our eternity hinges on Easter. So by God, we're going to preach on Easter on Easter Sunday. So I don't I don't know that it's necessarily I, I, pre, I really appreciate the question. It's not necessarily a big test. I don't I don't every Sunday's Easter. Let me say it that way. Every, Amen. The, the reason we worship on the first day of the week is because of the first Easter, because it is resurrection day. That's what Sunday is. 
And that's the day Jesus chose to appear. That's the day we're going to worship him together. And, you know, and that's the difficult part of this whole, you know, COVID-19 coronavirus stuff is the together part is hard. I mean, goodness gracious, what Spiegel said a second ago, the number of people that are coming to Jesus right now, the number of people who, yeah, they would come to church once a year on Easter. I mean, I saw a thing come out from Greg Laurie last week that mm-hmm. 1.2 million people tuned in to his church service, his, mm-hmm. the Harvest Church. Goodness gracious, man, that made my heart leap. Well, I heard, I heard him say today that he had what the first week was what, 1,100 salvations. Last yeah. week was 3,700 salvations, and it's only yeah. going to climb more, you yeah. know. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, that's those are the parts of it for me that I just – I'm like, you know what? I, I, I hate it. I'm, I'm like you guys. I might be a little bit more introverted than, than what Spiegel's talking about. I still love people. That's what God's called me to do. But um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, Bobby, you're, you're one of the guys who gets to be there on Sunday because you help us out with AV. Um, the first week, you know, preaching and teaching to an empty room just with a camera was really kind of weird and odd. Um, I think now I'm starting to get a little bit used to it. I um, hate that statement. I was about, I was saying it in my head as you were doing it <laughs> because it, I don't want this ever to be normal. Um, but we, you know, God's given us the ability and, and the resources to do what we do. Um, but like you were talking, the first week was kind of like, oh, this is probably just something that's going on and we'll, we, we can do it. This is cool. Um, and as the weeks go on, it gets a little more eerie and it, cause yeah. it's empty. I mean, it's, just, it's, I still, well, I I'm still able to hear you. I'm still able to enjoy the, well, the preaching and everything, you're, but you're one, you're one of the few. Cause we, we have it limited to 10 people. Yeah. If anybody in the government's listening, we keep it limited to 10. <laughs> yes. Um, but if. We keep it limited to 10. And what I'm talking about when I say I'm kind of getting used to it is, you know, I, I go home and I don't I don't live or die on how many views we get or how many comments are made or whatever it may be. And there's something this is really going to sound weird. Um, I was talking to Kyle Fowler about it. There's something slightly freeing about not having a thought as a pastor when you stand up on the platform and going, well, gosh. Only this many people showed up today. Um, I don't have a clue who's watching or listening when I step out to preach on Sunday mornings right now. Mm. And you, you don't really, you don't ever ask us. <laughs> I don't have a clue. I'm yeah. just like, you know what? God, God told me what I'm supposed to speak this week. This is the week we're going to teach on this. So I'm going to step up and preach it, whether one person's watching or 500's watching. I like and, that you said that because my, I've had a couple people um, respond and say even though we, we know there's no one in the crowd, there's nine people out there that you're preaching to people are like, Tony's still pre- giving the word that God gave him to give. And there's no, you don't really feel the difference. The, the passion, your, your obedience still comes through even through a, a 32 inch television at my home um, to my wife and kids and to others that yeah. have told me like, they, you know, it doesn't drop off. It's not like you're like, Oh, who cares? There's no one here. You're still no, no. being obedient. You know what I wonder? I wonder how many are getting the opportunity to preach that on a normal circumstance would be too afraid to do it. Because they you know, they can't overcome the circumstance or the the speaking in public thing. But now that they're talking into a camera, it's maybe maybe God's using that as a platform for others to be able to get the gospel out too. So I mean it's 
this is more, it, there's a lot of drawback depending on how you look at it. You know, if you're a glass half empty kind of guy, you could probably got more views on, oh, this is probably not the coolest thing. But if you got, you know, you're that glass half full guy, there may be more opportunity here than we've, than we've noticed before. You know, well, and that's, I, that's, that's been my key word to our staff, to the church the entire time. This is not just a crisis. It's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and what kind of opportunities can we find? I mean, from, you know, look at the unleashing of an opportunity that every single day, everyone in our church can be engaged reading the same passages of scripture with a devotion going out every day. Um, we got something new. We're probably going to launch. I don't want to give too much information, but we're probably going to launch it next Wednesday night. Um, uh, with married couples about what it's like to live with a quarantine couple. Um, so that may launch next week if everything goes well. Um, and, and what's really, I don't know, crazy opportunity, however you want to say it, we are learning in the middle of this things that we go, man, this is working. We're not going to stop this once whatever the new normal looks like when a new normal happens. We're not going to stop. We're just learning new ways to minister to people. I mean, I've got every person in our church is getting contacted. We have um, we have people calling us at the, at the office just about every day saying, hey, I know we're social distancing. Tell me what we can do to help. Tell me, tell me, does somebody need something? We've got people that have contacted me that have said, hey, I know I can't get to somebody, but I know that they're probably in a situation where they're struggling. Could you give me their address? Because I want to mail them a hundred dollar gift card to Ingalls. Or, I mean, that's that's stuff where I, I get geeked out a little bit about this. Watching the church be the church, and it's not, I got to say this correctly, when we're able to gather on Sunday mornings, you better get your butts in church. But what's happening right now is the opportunity for the church to be released into the world. Mm-hmm. And you're going to, and what we're finding out is the church really is the church. Um, it's, it's not just a, it's not just a bunch of people that gather on Sundays because you're supposed to, as a Christian, this is a group of people that are saying our only opportunity to be the church is outside of a building now. And mm. that, that excites me. Well, that's, that makes uh, sure good. <laughs> that's what's, that's what makes the world and the church stand aside one another. Yeah. Whereas the world is being reactive. The church is active. And that makes all the difference in the world. And I've been saying that since the beginning. It's you can see a fine line, and I think what it's doing more often than not is it's kind of blurring the lines. And I don't mean like you can't tell the difference between Presbyterian, Methodist, the Baptist, but the church is becoming just the church without all these extra little labels because we're all toward going towards the same pointing people towards Christ as opposed to you know, what you can eat on Friday or something to that effect. I don't know. But um, you see what I'm saying, how that's the highlight. That's what the church is being the church, and you can see that. They're not blending in so much with the world, and you can tell the difference. And that, that to me, uh, Spiegel, is, you know, God put the, the idea of this sermon series and the study of this sermon series through John months and months and months ago, probably last Easter is where I started thinking about this Easter. Of course, none of us had any idea there was going to be a worldwide pandemic going on. But what ha- what has truly excited me through this whole series and even Easter is the first century Christians. The world changed because of the resurrection. The, the, the world didn't change because Moses gave the Ten Commandments, because the Jews believed they needed to worship at the temple. Although all that's important. You're not hearing me tear it down. 
the world changed. I mean, disciples gave up their lives because they knew the resurrection was real. Um, mm-hmm. And the world changed, and nobody could disprove it. And that's that's just the that's why this is the main event. And even we're going to wrap up this series this Sunday. I'm going to be in John 21 this coming Sunday, um, which you would think we would end the main event on Easter Sunday, but I really wanted to do John 21, so we're going to end it this coming Sunday. Um, but because there's something that happens in John 21 that makes the main event the main event even more. So anyway, no. go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm going to <laughs> no, take no, a long no. talk, and I've already preached, so y'all go. Yeah, no, I, I um, I like how you brought it up that you obviously the resurrection changed everything, changed the game. It's it was Jesus doing what he said he was going to do. No, you talked about how everything changed. Obviously, everything that had been prophesied before had, had come true, and it it made it real to everybody. And I like one of the questions in the talk it over guide uh, talked about how when John entered the tomb and looked and didn't see Jesus, it said John believed. Mm. It was kind of like John's light, light bulb moment. Um, and I think we were talking about it just a second ago about how many people are coming to Christ during this, this situation, this pandemic and everything else, and people having those light bulb moments. Um, and we all have had them, you know, when we came to Christ. And even later in life, I, I was, I remember being saved at 13. I can remember that day vividly. But I didn't have a giant light bulb moment really until I was like 35. You know, it, it took a while for me to be like, oh, there's a relationship. This, this he, he is who he is, says he's going to be. And there was a trust that just kind of went off. Um, and I like the depiction of John seeing the empty tomb and, and it all coming to fruition to him. Just being looking at it and going, oh, yeah, he said that was going to happen. Yeah. You know, um. And, and one of the questions asked, have we ever had any of those light bulb moments or what's one that possibly stands out to you guys um, in your, in your faith walk with Christ? Well, my big moment, I mean, wasn't just one moment. It was a several, it was like domino re- reaction from when my mom died um, and several things leading up to the, I need him in this moment. And that's why I relate with Mary so much in this story because she's there. He's not according to her, what she sees. And she's just so she's sobbing. She's crying so much that she can't even see who he is and doesn't recognize him until she, until he says her name. And in that moment, that's how I reflect. Cause I, I remember the moment when he said, I still love you. Come back. And, it was like this aha moment, like I'm still a son. Like I didn't lose my inheritance. I didn't lose my, my name because I acted a fool for the last 39 years, you know? Well, and I, and I think what you're, even what you're describing is similar to John because there, there wasn't, I mean, and, and I love the way that this talking over God is phrased and asked this question about that aha moment. But also recognize that when when John saw the tomb was empty and it's recorded, remember this is John, the eyewitness writing this, mm-hmm. um, or someone at least transcribing John's words in this moment, he says John saw and he believed. Now, here's something that we don't have completely outlined in Scripture, um, especially in this thing. What did he believe in that moment? He certainly believed Jesus wasn't there. He certainly yeah. believed that something had happened. 
we, we don't know what all he believed, but I can tell you that about six or seven hours later, when there were a bunch of guys gathered in an upper room with a door locked and all of a sudden Jesus walked in and, but he didn't use the door. Mm-hmm. They believed at that moment. Yeah. So, so to me, just like what you just described, uh, Spiegel and probably even what Bobby described as well. I, I don't, it, it, I, again, the talking over God's fantastic. And we all have those aha moments, but I think our light switches are not as much like off to on as they are dimmers that are getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Well, you know, I want to piggyback on what you were just saying there. When John saw and he believed, you know, fast forward a little bit when Jesus has his, and I know you're probably going to talk about it next week, a conversation with Thomas, um, that his, you see because you believe because you see, but blessed are those who have not seen yet, but they believe. I believe, like, that's me, that's almost like Jesus looking, he like, I can only see him in the room for all these dudes that are like freaking out, and he looks straight past him right at me and says, "Blessed yeah. are they who have not seen yet they believe." And that's what it feels like. Well, and that's what I mean. In John twenty thirty one, John again writing, he says, "But these are written that you may believe that mm-hmm. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name." So mm-hmm. he's not just he's not just referring to those disciples. He's turning that dimmer pack off. Higher, 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 higher. Yeah, I think for me, I'm more of a. I'm, I'm the same way. Like with John, was it was more of a, a culmination of things. For me, it was losing control of everything that I thought I had control of in my life, and then God going, "Here, I, t- I told you, you need me. I, I promise you this." And then watching everything that I had worked for, I thought that I'd done anything to get or deserved just literally be taken away or, or walking away and going, Oh, I, I need God. I need him not just to get my stuff, but I need him as I need that relationship. I need more of him. And it, it took forever for me to get that, but there was a light bulb moment when it happened. I'm like, well, yeah, I do. I, it just, it was more of an instant for me. Um, but it was a culmination of a lot of things that when it happened, but, um, I, I like the the way it was written, you know, and he believed. And it, like you said, yeah. it, it didn't go into really detail of what, but just a very simple statement. Yeah, believed. and I, th- I think even even what, with what you just said, Bobby, it's, I mean, it's, again, y- y'all know I talk about it so much where my brain goes with a, with a graphic picture. Think, think about Peter and John and Nathaniel and, Daddy, and all the all these disciples, Nathaniel, and all these guys that are gathered together, and and you talk about having everything taken away from you. Come on now, these mm-hmm. guys, these guys have watched. It was only a few weeks earlier that they literally watched Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. They have they have seen all of this happen, and Jesus continuously said, "I am who I say I am. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do." Now, don't forget. And, and you got to study a little bit outside of the Bible just to get history and what was happening in this time. Jesus wasn't the first person to come along and claim he was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, there had been many from the Maccabean revolt, from all the other uh, people that had stepped up beforehand. So for these guys to, to dedicate this three, three and a half years of their lives, they really did believe. And everything that they believed about Jesus fell completely dead when they watched Jesus die on the cross and hope was gone, everything was gone. Then to have, you know, Mary Magdalene come running into the room and go, 
they've taken Jesus. His body's not there. And, and again, I mean, as much as I love the resurrection and I love Matthew, Mark, and Luke's accounts of this as well, one of the most fascinating thing to me, things to me is not resurrection morning. It's when Jesus walked into that room that night. Mm. That's, that just that gives me cold chills because everything that I believed that died on Friday is now back to life, which means mm. for the rest of my life, I'm going to give everything I can possibly give because he really is who he says he is. There's um man again. I, I want to say this talking over is so good. Um, there's a question. Uh, it, it, it speaks to when John, or sorry, when Jesus um, was talking to Mary. It references it and it says, "Is the fact that Jesus knows you intimately comfortable or uncomfortable? <laughs> Why?" And I have a feeling we'll get like three different answers here on that one. Um, <laughs> Spiegel, you want to try that one first? I'd rather not, but I mean, we're going to get to me anyways. Um, back in the day when I did my deals and I just didn't care, um, it wouldn't have mattered to me. But knowing Jesus knows me intimately is freeing, but at the same time, it's embarrassing because mm. he knows that I'm still flawed and I still have those moments and where you can feel him tugging on your shirt. He doesn't force me to do something, but he's like, you know, I'm still here, right? You know, that sort of cringeworthy moment, but, you know, I didn't have those before. Which means it tells me that he's built up my conscience to the point where I'm aware of his presence. Um, So it's freeing and it's kind of embarrassing at the same time. That's about as honest as I can get with it. (laughs) Uh, Tony? Oh, man, my... um... Yeah, y'all heard me tell the story before. Stories before of growing up. I grew up ex- extremely legalistic. So growing up, growing up for me, Jesus was uh, he was just another form of the boogeyman. Um, oh yeah. If, if I could, if I could get the sheet up to my neck um, in bed, then the boogeyman couldn't get me. And somehow I felt as if I could somehow cover myself up, then Jesus couldn't see me. So it was a it I. It, scared the bejeebies out of me as a kid that Jesus could actually see everything that I did. Mm. Then, then again, here, I, I'm going to, your preacher gets to be a preacher right now. Then came the cross. Then came the word to tell us It is finished. The debt has been paid. You don't owe anything. There's nothing you can do to earn my love. When I get that word in my heart and in my spirit, it's the most freeing thing in the world. Because it's what we've all described. It's what we've talked about with the fact of Jesus hasn't left us. We are his child. And, and I'm free in Christ. I've got, y'all Y'all have seen me. I mean, I know it's been weeks. I haven't changed other than I've eaten too many snacks. Um, my, my left wrist, I have two tattoos. And my buddy Brian Allen gave them both to me. On my left wrist, I have the word tetelestai in Greek, which means it's finished. This is my journey. My journey out of legalism is I always felt I had a debt to pay in order for Jesus to love me. But he said on the cross, my debt's paid, I can't earn his love. And then on my right wrist, I have in Greek the word aklanes out of Hebrews, which means hold on unswervingly, don't waver in your faith. So that's, that's me, and that's the freeing part of, of Jesus being able to see me. I still, and my wife would attest to it more than anybody else, I still, if I have, if I have a sin that overtakes me, and, and I sin just like everybody else does, obviously, but if I have something that I have a hard time shaking and I can't seem to be able to find God's spirit or, or God's power to overcome it in something in my life, my go-to reaction is always God must not love me. 
Um, mm. I've, disappoint, I've disappointed him too much. Therefore, he can't look at me anymore. And that's just not true. The, the truth is, if I repent correctly, 2 Corinthians 5, if I, if I repent the correct way, there remains a sacrifice for my sin. And repenting correctly means God did this once for all. I don't have to live in the agony. I don't have to live in the pain. So, but it's not, but again, it's, it's easy for me to say, and I can get excited and talk and preach about it, but I still have to live it every day. And, and that's, that's the reason, you know, a lot of, I mean, Spiegel, I know you got a bunch of tattoos, Bobby, you got tattoos too. Um, I didn't get my first tattoo until I was 40. Um, and those are the ones that I felt like I wanted to put on me. And that was because I need that daily reminder that my debt has been paid. I don't have to pay for my sin anymore because mm. my savior paid for my sin. And because he died for my sin, and even more than that, he died for my sin, and three days later, he came back to life so that I can come back to life. Mm. That's, that's, that's my team. That's my captain. That's where I want to be. Amen. <laughs> Man, I should have went first. Um, I got to follow that. <laughs> Um, this, this may sound weird, but man, I, to me, it is the most comforting thing in the world. Um, there's no fear. There's no embarrassment in it. It's knowing that God knows me intimately, that he knows me better than I will ever know myself is so comforting. Um, because me growing up, I, I was taught about Jesus and about God and I was taught at a young age um, certain things and, and I believed it. And so Jesus dying on a cross was, it was normal for me. Like it was, it was, I was told this happened and I was told that he did this for me and I was like, Oh, okay. And I believed it. And there was, it, it never really clicked. Um, for me when it clicked was knowing that God wanted a relationship with me that no matter where I was, who was I was with, what parent I lived with at the time or what relationship I was in or how much I screwed this up or that up. He still loved me. He still chooses to be in my life, a part of my life to, to chooses to love me. And for a kid that grew up feeling like a lot of people were in his life because they had to be, because their last name was the same or this, that, or the other, someone that chooses me. That's why I gravitate more towards friends. Um, than really family is because friends choose to be in your life. It's a choice. They don't have to be there, you know, and God didn't have to die for us. God didn't have to give his son up for us. He didn't, he doesn't have to be in my life, but he wants to be so much yep. that he knows me intimately. So, so for me, mm -hmm. it is the, it's a, such a comfort. It's like the biggest fluffy blanket you've ever had just wrapped around you. For me, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I can't look at that any other way than just comforting. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I, I love that we got three completely different answers there. I, I love it. And I love, I love this podcast and I love being able to talk about it because everyone's walk with Christ is different. Um, because we are all very individually made and he, he, and he loves us all the same, very much so enough to die for us. Uh, so, yep. um, yep. absolutely. Yep great service and i i'm gonna say unfortunately it's gonna remain this way for a little bit longer uh with the whole virus and thing um i wanted to go back to packing the room to the point we have to pull out extra chairs 
Like, I want to get that. I want to get that back. I, um, I, I think first week back, we're going to probably need a whole slew of chairs. Yeah, we, we're, we're going to go ahead and schedule volunteers, <laughs> you know, to set yeah, it up. We're already it. working on it. <laughs> we're already working on it. We're going to, we're going to be safe. We're going to, we're going to gather. We can't wait. We're, we're already goodness gracious. The hardest thing in this whole virus and being shut down is I'm used to being four or five months ahead all the time in my brain. Ooh. And right now it's hard staying five minutes ahead in my brain. So, uh, yeah, but we're working changing, on it. Yeah. You know how hard it is to worship like I do with a phone in my hand. <laughs> like, I need to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was, uh, that was week four. Uh, the main event. We do have one more week coming, guys. Next week, or this coming Sunday, is the final week of the main event. We still have one more. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be the best one ever. I've here. Absolutely. Uh, people keep saying, um, and we we got to get that shirt made. Um, <laughs> so yeah, don't forget to uh, next week and check us out. It's going to be on Facebook. Uh, it's going to be on YouTube. We'll get the links out there. Look for the resources, guys. We there are we are trying. We are pushing out as many resources as we can, and we want to stay connected. And you guys are, and that's the the best part. We we can put out a ton of content and no one view it, but people are using it and di- discussing it and doing this, reading their Bible. A person like me who struggled with reading the Bible did the John challenge and and is now onto the you know Psalms challenge. You're gonna call them challenges from now on, right, Tony? I think it helps. Yep. It spurs people. Yep. <laughs> might be the next, might be the name of the next sermon series. No. They pop up. You'll never see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but before we go, I want to thank the gentlemen joining us uh, from their respective places. <laughs> uh, thank you, Spiegel, man. Thanks for taking the time off work, man. You're, you're busy. Uh, never too busy to talk to my boy. <laughs> uh, we <laughs> want to definitely want to thank Tony. Thank you so much, Carmen. Oh, man. Yeah. I love you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, but before you go, Tony, would you like to you know, end it with a prayer? I'd love to. Let me pray. God, we love you tonight. I thank you for these guys. Lord, this is, um, we say it a lot. It's uncertain. It's crazy. We, um, we sometimes just don't know how to react in the middle of what's going on in the world right now. But uh, here we find ourselves. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very consoled in the idea that you've never been surprised by anything. And you're certainly not surprised right now. Um, so God, I pray, I pray that your word, that your message, that your salvation goes out in this time, like it never has before. I pray that people that are unchurched begin to see something different about those of us who consider ourselves churched and Christians. I pray that, um, salvations happen in numbers that we just can't even believe. And then God, I pray for your church, not just here at Living Water, but churches around the world that we will recognize who we are. And it's not about a building. It's not about that. We only meet on a Sunday morning. So God, I pray that uh, you give us strength. I pray for people, wherever they are, all the difficulties that they're facing, all the challenges that they've got going on in their lives. God, I pray that you bring what your word says, a peace that passes all understanding, Mm -hmm. which means we don't understand it, but we'll sure take it. Um, So God, thank you for that. I pray for Bobby. I pray for Spiegel. I thank you for their hearts for you. And God, I just pray that you challenge and stir their hearts, give them rest, give them peace, and uh, just help them to find you in the midst of everything going on in life. I love you, God. I love the church you've given me to be able to serve. And I just pray that we are the church that we're supposed to be, that we continue to accept people where they are and refuse to leave them there. 
We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so Amen, much, Tony, for that. And Spiegel, until next week. Keep the conversation going, guys. We love you. Love you, guys.